This week, Phanthropological is doing an any percent run of its podcast. We're holding down the beat button. This week, we're talking about speedrunners. Hello everyone and welcome to Fanthropological, the podcast where every week we talk about a different fandom. This week we're talking about speedrunners and uh, every week we try to dig deep on that fandom, get as to the why people are fans of that thing and uh, have some discussion around that. Uh, every week it's a different fandom, no fandom too big, no fandom too small. With me, as always, are my good friends and co-hosts, G. As T will tell you, when you do a speedrun, you're going to have to reset a lot. I mean, uh, I, this is definitely a tool-assisted speedrun we're doing right now. Uh, but she is absolutely correct. And with me also is my good friend Z. Hey. All right. So I have a little uh, definition of, of speedrunning to get us just into the episode, which uh, is not from a speedrunner, is from a fan of speedrunning oh. that I found in some of my research reading through the speedrun subreddit, which was absolutely huge. I had prepared my own introduction but you know this one does a little bit of a better job so i'm gonna read off what uh this user gomez the dragon on the subreddit had to say which is speed running is when somebody attempts to play and complete a video game as quickly as possible this goal is achieved through practice and planning uh, programming bugs and glitches are often exploited in the process of speed running once a speed run is completed typically a video and time is posted on an online leaderboard and can be compared to everybody else's times uh, that that's what they had to say about it, and I, I think that pretty much sums things up. That sounds about right. That's that's congruent with what I found. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um, when you guys were doing your research on speedrunning, did you also come across the absolutely like this person's description is definitely succinct, but I think it doesn't give the idea of like how much time is spent doing all those different parts. Yeah. Takes a lot of time to get through Mario Brothers in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Well, I mean, the part that really stuck out to me when I was doing the research was just, you know, there's, you know, practice. I can imagine the practice part. You know, you're playing the game a lot and learning glitches. So you got to do research uh, and the planning. So, you know, you actually have to go through the different segments of the run and, you know, practice it, but also like think about, depending on the game, how you're going to get to your goal. I was just really surprised how much actually goes into the speed run that isn't just like let's just play a game a lot yeah because you know it's ticket for red whatever whatever game it is you 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 can handily beat yeah and games that i sit down and will just beat in like a sitting or i can count on one hand and all of them are turtles in time <laughs> what happened to uh, gunstar heroes Oh yeah, Gunstar Heroes. Maybe there's two. Yeah. Maybe there's two. Maybe there's two. <laughs> but but there's not that many games that'll just sit down and like beat straight through. And like yeah. this is that's like that's like the baseline expectation for this. Yeah. Actually in, in my reading I came across the speedrun.com forums. And on there there's this user, Dracodan. And in the uh, thread, why did you decide to run your most recent speed game? Um, he very succinctly said, Well, um, usually I pick my games based on uh, how well I, I know them from all the hours I sunk into them as a kid. So like there's already that intimate knowledge of the game there and you just build off of that. 
with the intention of doing it really fast. Yeah, no need, no need. Put those, put those hours to good use. <laughs> those childhood hours. Mm-hmm. There was this, uh, this really. So when you go to the speedrun subreddit, there's a whole slew of resources on the right hand side, uh, including like where you can find information on world records, upcoming marathons, etc. Uh, but somebody had started this thread called "Some Tips for New Speedrunners." Uh, you know, in case I wanted to be a speedrunner, which I do not. That's way too much time. I do not have enough time to dedicate to this. That is like an Olympic amount of preparation. Yeah. But yeah, it definitely had the same point of, you know, picking a game you love, whether you love it or you know it really well or, or something to that effect. And then it talks like very much in depth about all of the practice and work that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was, I was looking at a couple videos by a YouTube user named Snowman Gaming, and he did a video on how to start speedrunning. And he was like, find a game that you already like, because <laughs> you're going to be playing it a lot. And if it doesn't like bring you joy already, you're just going to like hate it really fast. <sighs> I mean, you may it may curdle some of your opinions of the game you already like, but you have to start with a bunch of goodwill, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just, it's just going to become kind of miserable. Yeah, well, I mean, you're spending a lot of time with this game, and you're really driving hard into it because you want to figure out every little thing you can to shave seconds off of your off of your time. Mm-hmm. I should have asked this before we got started. I was wondering if, uh, if you guys found some interesting tidbits. More importantly, uh, this tidbit that I found, which I wish I could find a better source for because it's a, it's a bold claim and I, I don't know if it's backed up. And I absolutely hate when uh, we have unsighted sources on this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was reading this tidbit from uh, What Culture, the article's 12 little-known gaming trivia facts you won't believe, <laughs> which is super credible, by the way. Um, just Just... Looking at it, I, I, I wish I had a better source. Uh, it was it was saying that Mario speedruns were what inspired Sonic the Hedgehog. Now, I'm sure there's probably a did you know gaming that either debunks like, that or not. Like but. the idea of Sonic? Yeah. Like to make the I, game Sonic? Whoa. I don't know about that. I do know that Mario speed... Well, from another source that I cannot cite. Mario speedruns <laughs> apparently inspired Mario Runs. Mario the brand Runs. brand new iPhone game from Nintendo. Oh, but that's not super surprising. No. I always I always thought that the reason why uh, Sonic came about, I mean, not to get too far off topic here, was as a response to like the slow kind of momentum building gameplay of Super Mario Bros. Whereas Sonic was just like you can go super fast right out of the gate. That's fair. There was a there was a book that I mean, since we do these podcasts a week apart, I did not have time to read. Um, I think it was called Speedruns, like a, an unofficial history of Sonic the Hedgehog, um, mm. that probably got very much in depth into that. Yeah, but you know, short timelines, so we have to speed <laughs> run this episode. <laughs> Just gotta pick up some speed reading techniques and speed run that book. That's true. Good boy. A thing I am terrible at. Yeah. <laughs> Take forever to read a book. <laughs> Did you guys come across a little yeah. thing called the Super Mario World Credits Warp? I've heard oh, of that no. before. Let me just think. Is this where the person has an arbitrary code execution where they like 
eat a few apples in the first level and then um, like poop out something. And then when they eat something, it triggers and jump to the credits. Yes. Okay. I mean, I'm, I, I'm really much dumbing it down. I have watched, first of all, someone just do it. Um, uh, Seth Bling. It was linked to from another Snowman Gaming videos, which was five uh, speedruns to use to get into speedruns. Um, and then I watched an 11-minute video by a user called Dots Are Cool that explains it absolutely meticulously. And 90% of it is completely over my head. <laughs> oh, because it's like this pushes this onto this register and yeah. this pushes this like, onto like, this register. Tries to explain it as best you can, but I'm just like, uh, my brain was like spinning. But it's like, yeah. First of all, you're, throw, you're throwing shells around, eating berries, and eating different things, and like programming the game as you do so. Yeah. And then yeah. you just jump to the credits. And this has like shot the, the speed run time for uh, Super Mario World down quite a lot. Like yeah. under five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That kind of reminds me of another, um, as as wild, but not quite as like reprogramming the game while you're playing kind of glitch from another Mario game, Super Mario sixty four. Apparently, there's this thing that speedrunners do called a backwards long jump. Oh yeah, I watched and, I watched someone do Super Mario sixty four. Yeah, and they did this. Did you see them do a backwards long jump into I a, saw the, I saw them do like, so many. To like move into a parallel universe. Yes. Yeah. It is um like I watched a zero star run <laughs> where wow. they do that to go into each Bowser <laughs> space to get the key yeah. for the next. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it, it for the most part it has to do with backwards jumping upstairs. <laughs> yes and this creates a weird little sprint that the game can't follow and so you can like override the endless stair thing yeah uh when you're up at the end yeah oh man i was just reading an article um over on uh, kotaku by nathan grayson about it and from what he uh, was describing it sounded like people use it to also jump between worlds like you can act because the, of the way the game is programmed, it's possible to, I guess, jump out of bounds in such a way to land in another world. Whoa. Yeah. Like, like another be, room or go between well, well, paintings, so to speak. Yeah. Between paintings, so to speak, like starting out in, um, uh, that, that level with the big shipwreck and then <laughs> doing enough backwards long jumps to wind up in the, uh, dusty dunes desert and just as an example i don't know if you could actually do that but that's apparently what people do that sort of jumping between areas of the game without uh having to go from painting to painting okay man while we're at it uh do we want to talk about glitches so for those who are not speedrunners uh you may have heard of a glitch in general and you'd be like, oh, glitches are bad because you're, mm-hmm. you're working on your computer and there's a glitch or something and something stops working. You try to, you know, log into your bank account or something and it, it doesn't work because there's some error or something. It's a glitch. Um, or you're playing a game, uh, especially, let's say an old Nintendo game and it, it's dusty and so you put it in and it like glitches and it, it won't run. Um, people think of glitches like cheats and, 
You know what? I'm not even going to get it. I'm going to just start the discussion off with with that. I'm not soapboxing here. I just wanted to give some context because <laughs> glitches are actually quite heavily used in uh, in speedruns. And I was reading this really cool article on it. It was just fascinating. But you had something. So you, you go for it, G. Well, well, glitches, you know, as you said, the first response is, well, that's cheating. That's not how the game is is meant to be played. Um, but in, if you're doing an any percent run, which it doesn't matter how much of the game you complete as long as you get to the end or achieve the ending, mm-hmm. um, you can do whatever means to make it faster. The only goal is speed. And if there's a, an ability to use the game in order to do this, mm-hmm. then you're you're more than welcome to. Yeah, uh, it's like in general in the speedrunning community. And the other thing about it too is everyone can use the glitch. Like the glitches are known. Yeah. In fact, uh, Snowman Gaming's one one of their tips for for doing uh, for starting to speedrun yourself is once you pick a game, look at other people doing speedruns of that game and see what they're doing mm-hmm. and find out about stuff that you didn't know about because you're probably going to need to use all those tricks yeah if you want to get a world world record then uh, definitely then, yeah oh yeah there was um this fascinating article on kotaku which i learned cites a more fascinating source um called what is a speedrun on the speed demos archive website mm-hmm. and it's uh I'm going to TLDR this entire thing. <laughs> yeah. It basically talk. No, it's, it's a great article and uh, you should it's definitely long. read it. Yeah. It's yeah. long, but it basically is like, Hey, speed running is basically an optimization problem. And it's just like, how do we get from point A to point B the fastest? And there's this great quote from that article, which is kind of related to what you were saying, G, which is many viewers have an expectation that speed runs clear the game using only the tools intentionally given by the developers. This is an explicit constraint on the run, brought on by an Mm -hmm. internal perception of the game. This by itself is not inherently wrong or incorrect, but it is based on an attachment to the game. Speedruns, in the unconstrained case, are separated from this, in that the game itself is no longer regarded as a game, but instead the medium. The game then becomes the optimization problem, while the medium is just a set of implicit constraints. In the sense, there's no such thing as a glitch, provided that nothing external to the medium impacts it. The article itself shows this really cool example of uh, like a game where you have to slide cars around or slide mm-hmm. things around on a board. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, what happens if you slide some things around on the board and you find out that there's a hole underneath the board? So you can slide one of the pieces off the board. Ah. It's like, is that a glitch? It's like, well, no, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. It, you might argue it's not supposed to be there, but the fact of the matter is that it is there. Yes. Yeah. And if you want to find... People doing speedruns that do not use glitches or use other constraints, you can find that as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm sure people who hundred percent games are not using glitches. Uh well, I guess hmm. I mean I maybe mean, I, maybe I, small yeah, things. I don't know. Maybe. I mean there's small things like, oh, if you do this jump like this, you can move faster in the game kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, like but, rolling versus uh, running in Ocarina of Time. Yeah. yeah but or your, or uh, shield. Shield hover warp. Shield hovering, yeah. 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 Or, but you're not, uh, you're not like skipping anything. No. Yeah. No. 
Like, I think the top time for Mega Man X or something to get a 100% run is like 20 minutes, which is, that's not cheating. Wowzers. <laughs> going through, that's like an all levels run. Yeah, and and some of them are just pure, like, you've played this game a bajillion times. <laughs> and know which pixels to land on. Yeah. And know when to jump. Yep. And is just like an exercise in expertise. Uh, one of the other speedruns that was talked about in Snow and Gaming's uh, like intro to speedruns, or list of list of five speedruns to check out, was uh, a Yoshi's Island speedrun speed by a guy named Chai Hex. Huh. Uh, most of these were from Games Done Quick. Okay. Yep. And talking about that there's not really any like tricks going on. He's just like really good at the game. And one of the things I thought was really interesting that there's a camera on his hands on the controller. Hmm. So you can see what he's doing, which reminds me of like some some concerts or like instructional videos where where you can like get a peek at like what what a drummer is doing, for example, or a guitarist. Yeah. If you're if you're a player of that instrument, you really appreciate what's like what's going on and the movements and everything of that. So I never thought about that before. Like the appreciation of technique Mm -hmm. that goes into speed running. Yeah, and if you if you're doing one one of those world records, you're gonna need the glitches, and you're gonna need the accuracy and and expertise to do everything yeah. precisely. Yeah, yeah, because when you're putting together your own run, like you might you might watch other people's speedrun videos, you might see them use some glitches, but you still have to execute those glitches. You still have to have the ability to like jump out of out of the game world to get around some level further down the line or something like that some of them are not easy to do <laughs> no for example the credits warps are not easy to do no there's something in ocarina of time that's similar where um i don't know if you have to do something specific beforehand but in the very first fight with goma um the spider boss of the great deku tree after you finish goma you like take out your slingshot jump to the left take out something else jump to the right <laughs> and like do a bunch of backflips until you hit the until you get oh, to the door goodness. And then when you open it up, it, it opens into, like, Ganon's castle or the last fight. Man. It's really bizarre. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I I remember watching uh, a friend showed me a, a speed run of Ocarina of Time. It's like, all right, so I throw three Deku nuts, and then I drop a fish, and then I pick up the fish, and then I play my bomb. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa. Where did this, what happened? Um, but he, the person doing the speed run is just saying what he's doing. And then he's like, this is like upping this register, which changes the door warp. Because, um, yeah. okay, we're actually really talking about actual speedruns now. Somehow yeah. I know things about this. Um, <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, in, in that example, it's like doing those things incremented some counter. And then when you yeah. walked into particular doors, um, the way that the doors worked is that it just increments some other counter to teleport, to take you to another room. Mm-hmm. yeah so in some cases it would overflow something and you'd end up in a different room or in other cases it would um increment the count to go to just a different room and yeah which is how the crazy uh goma one probably works yeah i think that's pretty much exactly it but it's it's just crazy because these people are they're not just mastering the game in itself like they're not just getting really good at beating goma in you know 10 seconds flat they're doing all this other stuff. They're mastering the game, but they're also mastering like the game's meta game or meta system. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Crazy. People in uh, different source games will do a thing, uh, I think it's called surfing, where when you're on an incline, if you uh, like squat the character or something like that, or if you move in a certain way, you'll actually move faster than if you were running ahead. They'll abuse huh. the physics engine like that. Yeah. Or uh, Super Monkey Ball and F-Zero GX use the same engine. <laughs> so in Super Monkey Ball, you can kind of like, you're uh, rocking the level. Mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. also doing that when you're playing f-zero oh, <laughs> so you can kind of abuse that to like wiggle the level to gain more speed like it's you all... can kind of like rock the level it's all about those like little micro micro things it's like i mean this is a simplified version but doing the um the speed boost in mario kart even like the first oh thing with I, the first thing i learned the, the skidding yeah yeah the drift the drift just like always be doing it thing and then you get like wave dashing like oh, I was just, wave dashing is a really good example of that yeah uh because it's like it's like all the skills you need for like if you're doing a competitive game like smash brothers but solo yeah there was a really i feel it's like, like you're competing say, against yourself yeah there was an article on make use of of all places called speedrunning culture the future of single player gaming um, and one, it gave a bit of a history of, of the, I don't know, the genre of speedrunning. But two, it talked about like how it's fundamentally like a single player experience. It also talked about how there are kind of two types of, of uh, speedrunners, one of which is the kind that it's like, all right, you made your world record attempt, and then you try a couple other times, and if you don't succeed, then you move on to another type of game. And I was just like, oh, well, that's kind of surprising. Yeah. It was a good like encapsulation of what speedrunning is. Um, I realize we've talked for a while and we haven't actually talked about the why of speed. We talked a little bit about the why of speed running. Yeah. Like we were like, hey, you love a game, so you play the game more. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> what, I, what I can gather, it's like, it's a thrill. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like you found another different game inside a game you already like. Yeah. yeah. In, in, in some ways. In some ways, it's just like a technically well done game i mean being really good at a game you really like feels good yeah so i i did that thing where i raised a topic because i have the answer because i'm a jerk ah <laughs> i could have just yeah, said don't. the answer then we would not have had to have any discussion i don't yeah. like the soapboxing part i like stringing <laughs> you guys along you can just make statements that's the it's the statement that's... podcast <laughs> no um i don't know the answer but uh i did have this this excerpt from again gomez the dragon from the speedrun subreddit because uh, I think one of the articles that I was reading just flat out asks, why do this? And actually, yeah, it's the article ex- explanation of speedrunning. It's like, why do you do this? And so they had to say, well, there are a few different reasons that people typically enjoy speedrunning. For a lot of people, it breathes new life into games that they know backwards and forwards oh. and adds an extra degree of challenge and fun. Also, competing to have the world record, WR, Time in a game with your friends online can be really fun. It can turn games that aren't competitive by nature into an intense worldwide race. Some people aren't interested in speedrunning themselves, but only watching speedruns. To speedrun, some games take a great deal of skill and practice, and that process can be really exciting to watch. Many speedrunners stream their world record attempts and practice giving speedrunning fans the opportunity to tune into this process for themselves. I was watching part of a 
Yu-Gi-Oh something speed run. I wish I was paying more attention because I was like, how is this a speed run? Like, where are the glitches? Where are the exploits? <laughs> Some speed runs don't have a lot of flash. Yeah. No. But I mean, that's part of what that person was making an argument of too, right? Yeah. yeah. You you want to speed run Mick Kids, go for it. <laughs> oh, man. I, I loved Mick Kids as a, as a kid, by Mick the way. Mick Kids? Yeah. It was, yeah. It was kind it was of McDonald's like McDonald's game. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was kind of like a reskinning, but also a mod of Super Mario Bros. Three, um, with like McDonald's themes. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. I would say. Mm-hmm. Plus, there are these things that you would run over, and then the gravity would reverse, and then you could fall into the sky. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> like. I feel like the tool-assisted speedruns almost have an artistic element to them. Absolutely. Like when they're when it's crunched into like, especially if you know the game that is being speed ran. Yeah. Well, that was actually something I looked into. I I wound up on this website called tasvideos.com, and um, right there on on their welcome page they say, "We are not breaking these games. We are just breaking your notion of them." <laughs> Whoa! Which love I mean, I love it. if you're talking about art, it doesn't get much artsier than that. <laughs> That's true. Unless you read a little bit further down the page, and you see this paragraph: If a child receives a box Whoa. containing an expensive toy as a birthday present, it's possible that he'll enjoy the box more than the toy. This is creativity. We're doing the same for these games. Instead of walking on the paths created for us, we are creating our own paths, our own legs, and so on. And we're not listening to people say, you can't do that. Just like children. Hmm. I will say, to be fair, video games also come in a box. <laughs> but, um, like, with, with stuff like that, it, it's, they're not even quite playing it, right? They're like I, moving pieces around and I like kinda, well, yeah. orchestrating okay. it. I kind of got that impression too, but from what I was reading on that site, it sounds like they take an emulator that records keystrokes and then they like perfect their playthrough and then I guess have the emulator play back those keystrokes. Okay. Yeah. I was about to say something pretty similar to that. Yeah. Yes. Basically, it's all about using emulators that allow you to either slow gameplay down so you can see things move frame by frame or mm. just war- kind of well warping games i guess for lack of a better term so you can see how they're they're ticking and figure out how to play best through that actually on wikipedia of all places they mentioned um that uh tool assisted speedruns are notable because they take human reflexes and human skill out of the equation which might sound a little scary, a little daunting, but then on TAS videos, they go on and they they reassure people that, you know, no need to be afraid because they compare TAS tool-assisted speedruns to the uh, the battle between Chess Grandmaster Kasparov and uh, Deep Blue and that they're both, you know, Deep Blue is this incredible machine that plays chess really well. Kasparov is this great chess player who plays chess really well, but they play chess in different ways. Well, also that's that's not like those aren't even really equivalent because one is like a program playing against a, a human and the other one is humans programming a computer. 
I think their point there wasn't was to make it a little bit less about the competitive angle and more like they're both high-level players, but Kasparov is playing in a, in a human way, looking at things from like a human oh. perspective. Deep Blue is look, playing as a as a computer program would, possibly being more analytic, less strategic. Take a look at Watson's turn on Jeopardy. Yeah, yeah, that is that's a little little more complicated i guess because it's not just a, a bunch of keystrokes yeah well like like um what do you call i don't know what do you call them regular speed runs speed runners do you mean rtas or sda <laughs> sd crap non-tool assisted speed runs yeah yes real okay. real time attack yeah yeah so those are about the limits of the person and tool assisted speed runs are about the limits of the game yep and what's neat, though, is that um, amidst the controversy around tool-assisted speedruns, which I think was a little bit more of a bigger deal when they were first coming out around 2004, 2005, maybe as early as 2003. Anyway, um, what uh, came out of that was the one of the people behind one of the early tool-assisted speedruns, Spezifer, just admitted in uh, an article on MTV Gamers divided over freakish feats achieved with dual-assisted <laughs> speedruns. Freakish. All these tricks that you see, or a lot of these tricks anyway, that you see in my dual-assisted speedrun, I learned from, I guess, real-time speedrunners. And then reading some of the some of the more recent articles, because that one was from 2006, I had read about the speedrunners who pick up tricks from dual-assisted runs. Like in, uh, actually in the Boss Fight Books book. Ooh. Super Mario Bros. 2 on the NES, um, Andrew Gardigas, this famed Super Mario Bros. and Bros. 2 and possibly Bros. 3 speedrunner, um, talked about how he was playing around with tool-assisted speedruns of Super Mario Bros. 2 and came across this, I guess, glitch where if you ride two flying carpets simultaneously, you move a little bit faster. So mm -hmm. he went and he tried to... Uh, tried to repeat that in just regular play so he could use it in his, I guess, regular speed run. So it's like, at first there was this weird schism, but now it's like this, this, just these two, I guess, branches that feed off of each other. Interesting. Yeah. So it brings out potentialities in the game that people who are doing regular speed runs might not have thought of. Yeah. One of the things I found interesting in the research, I knowing a little bit about speedruns coming into this, but um, reading the article on what is a speedrun, is the different categories. So often speedruns have a few very discrete categories, like 100% or any percent, or um, there's another really good one. Those are some of the common ones. I also saw and, low. Yeah. Oh, like a low-level speedrun. Like, like doing Ocarina. Is it linked to the past with just three hertz? Yeah, yeah, that would be yeah, one. Okay. Something like that. Uh, yeah. any, another example of a low percent. No speed, damage. Yeah. Another example of a low percent uh, speedrun would be Super Metroid with the fewest bits of equipment possible. Oh, man. Sequence breaking. So good. <laughs> right. Uh, sequence breaking, too, which is a <laughs> thing, which is where you do parts of the game out of order or skip other parts entirely. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, sorry, there was this chart in the in that article. What is a speed run on the speed demos archive? And it kind of shows the interest, like I guess, interesting areas of where categories come up. And so it shows a, a graph of or a chart of challenge and time when there's, for example, a huge increase in challenge or a huge decrease in challenge and there's a decrease in time. It's like, whatever, that's just doing a speed run better. Mm-hmm. But then, for example, if there's the time increases a little bit, but the challenge increases dramatically, that's where you get these new categories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's probably where you get your like no uh, three hearts run. Yeah, in in Ocarina of Time, because it's like, well, the challenge goes way up. Yeah, but way, way up. the time maybe might only increase a little bit. That's might not even be a good example because Ocarina of Time seems like it's pretty beat at this point. I don't know. It seems like every now and then it seems like a game is pretty beat, but then you you hear about things like um, and well, you hear about uh, people getting into the the door under the moat in Super Mario sixty four just recently. And that game's been out for 20 years, or not really a glitch or anything, but still something useful for speedruns, potentially. You uh, hear about people discovering that you can kill the boss of the Forbidden uh, the forbidden Woods in The Wind Waker with just a, a bottle of the forest water. What? Yeah, apparently you if, you, if you start that fight and just dump some forest water on that thing, it shrivels up. You can do Link's what? Awakening in two minutes. Yeah, I mean, so, I've I've seen. Um, wait, is it Link's Awakening? Link to the Past. You can do. You glitch under the stairs, yeah. and then you just walk to a room, and hey, yeah. there you go, game over. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun one. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I, I also watched a video called Ten Biggest Skips in Speedrunning" by Easy Scape, mm-hmm. and it had that one in there. You just, oh, you have, the Link to the Past? Yeah. yeah. Or no, Link's Awakening. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. You enter you enter the uh the doghouse at a, at a weird angle. Oh, and then yeah. you can skip pretty much right to the end. What? Yeah. <laughs> just another another one of those weird door things. Yeah. What? <laughs> now did I think Tool Assistant Speedruns had any influence in the creation of Super Mario Maker. Uh, I feel like um, oh, there's a game. I can't remember. No, I, I there were already like a ton of uh, Super Mario things. Like that one game. I wish I had the name of it because otherwise this is going to sound really stupid. So <laughs> here we go. Going to sound really stupid. <laughs> hey, do you guys know that game? That Super Mario World <laughs> game? Where this guy made it for his friend. He was a Japanese guy, and he made it for his friend, and it's punishingly difficult. Oh, Kaizo Mario. Thank you. Yeah. That yeah. game. Like, you'll get yes. to the end of a stage, but then there's there's a pit during the automatic walk animation, so you never finish. Yeah, so you have to, like, trigger some switch, yeah. or, like, come at it from underneath, or yeah. whatever. <laughs> Man, that one... In the actual Super Mario World, like Butterbridge or whatever... <laughs> Oh, we have fly to go under the goal. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it took me forever to do that. Oh, so good. Yeah, I I don't think that was the inspiration for. I think like, I don't. Kaizo I'm not, I'm not saying Super Mario Maker is a new idea. Oh, I'm just no. saying like the reason that Nintendo themselves put one out. Oh well, here's here's a bit of trivia that I didn't get the chance to get to. <laughs> oh yeah. But guess what? I'm dropping it here. So did you know? And this should not come as much as a surprise. 
that Nintendo has a program to allow you to use their IP and uh, collect YouTube revenue. Like, as yeah. in, if you try to host Nintendo content on your YouTube channel, a Let's Play, for example, that won't fly. Yes. Like, because Nintendo is not particularly generous in that regard. Yeah. But you can join this program, and one, that'll allow you to actually, you know, use their IP, and two, allow you to collect some percentage of the revenue from that. Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. I didn't realize Nintendo was so um, protective. I saw that noted under somebody's video doing the research for this, so that's how I found out about that. But yeah, that's really cool. It came up in like two, one, uh, one article from Destructoid and then another article, and I was just like, I better look into this a bit. <laughs> I mean, a lot of them are going to be Nintendo. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I'm guessing that they're mostly focused around Nintendo's first party content. Yeah. yeah. Rather than say, I don't know, Tales of Fantasia. <laughs> no, not not going to be a lot, whole lot of worry about that game. Uh, no, that's people, that's good. It's not console slight, exclusive. It seems to be say less interested in RPGs things. Like, I mean, there are people who do who do RPGs. Oh yeah. But uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. there's like. In Snowman Gaming's video on, on Stardia, he's kind of like, maybe you don't want to start with something like that because there's a lot of like random number generating that goes on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that can really mess with it, despite how good you're doing at the rest of the game. Yeah. That actually re- reminds me of something I came across. Um, apparently, in, uh, in Paste Magazine's list of the 10 best video game speedruns, there is mention of Kingdom Hearts 2, which was done in about four hours. And it sounded like it wasn't just one person playing. It was a bunch of people who knew the game really, really well. And so they would constantly like be talking back and forth about how to, for example, make battles as short as possible when they couldn't be avoided. And just like thinking not just about what am I, what am I going to do this turn to make this battle easier, but what am I going to do this turn to make the game shorter, like, three hours down the line? Wow. Oh, interesting. So apparently, like, at, at least for RPGs, there's a lot of thought that goes into it the whole time because of that that randomness, which is crazy. There I mean, was... Uh... Yeah, setting aside the whole four hours for an, an RPG <laughs> the size of Kingdom Hearts 2. That's, that's not too bad considering how long that could be. I was yeah. just remembering one of the articles that I read was talking about, um, you know, if you wanted to get started being a speedrunner, and, you know, there's all this talk about practice and research and whatnot, but one of the pieces also mentioned, okay, don't get reset happy. Mm. So when you're doing a speedrun, you have this concept of splits. So it's like, how am I doing in this run compared to previous runs? And, you know, oh, no, I'm not doing on this this individual split. Well, I better just, like, restart. Um but that's kind of like uh, a local, what is it? A local um, minimum. It's just like, okay, so you maybe, sometimes you can optimize the entire process by like, you know, you did poorly in the one section, but you set yourself up in a good spot for the next segment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so people will like reset, but then get to the next part and maybe do amazingly well. And in fact, uh, I think that same article cited famous speedrunners who had done poorly in a few splits but then found some trick or got lucky and then did even better in subsequent splits yeah you don't need mm-hmm. to get it 
perfect right out the gate. You just need to establish a sort of baseline, right? That you can start to shave time off of. Yeah. And also, if you if you mess up in one section, it'll give you more incentive to find ways to go faster in another section. Yeah. Which you can use on down the road. Yep. It's like the end result video of a speedrun is just like a tiny the tiny little part of the iceberg sticking out of the water. <laughs> because <laughs> there's so much that goes into it yeah i think it, i think earlier on in, in this episode he mentioned that it's like an olympic level effort and i think that's a really apt comparison because there's a lot of time that just goes into the practice yeah and then you see the final the final product and, and by its nature as a speed run it maybe takes like half an hour but there have been days and weeks and probably months if not years that have gone into getting to that point where you're finishing ocarina of time any percent in like i don't know i think it's 18 minutes currently the record yep yeah, somewhere like that yeah yeah did um did either of you come across the, the link between speed running and twitch um only a little bit i was reading this interview with uh with trihex who uh came up earlier in the episode actually doing a um, yoshi's island run yeah yeah the, the yoshi's island guy and uh one of the questions in the interview was, you know, where do you see speedrunning going? What could what could be done to help it get bigger? And one of the things that he mentions is it would be really cool if Twitch made um, a directory specifically for speedrunners. Yeah, I came across a couple of videos by a guy named Apollo Legend. Ooh. Uh, who had a couple of videos. One was the death of speedrunning. <laughs> and then, thankfully, followed that up with how we can fix speedrunning. <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't too gloomy but some of the things that he pointed out were that um there's no yeah there's no like section on twitch for speedrunning. Mm-hmm. they're just kind of all out there i'm playing you know mega man oh yeah. also i'm speedrunning it it's not like you it's not like your expectations are set by going into the particular group yeah um, you've gotta, yeah you've got to search through game by game yeah um this is that speed runs live was a bit bit old hat really like like that they were still running a lot of speed run stuff through irc uh he said that seemed a little backwards mm-hmm. and that everyone's everyone's kind of splintering like there's you know you can go into the yoshi's island speed run community yeah. Right, but there's not as strong of a community around just speedrunning in general. Um, Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I Other... I mean, yeah. I was just gonna say the the I didn't think about it up until we were talking about it now, but talking about Twitch and and speedrunning, it kind of makes sense because a lot of the speedrunning discussion that I read was like, hey, make sure to record your speedruns and mm-hmm. do all this practice and if you're already going to be doing this practice and you're already recording every run that you're doing, then you may as well do it on Twitch. Yeah. And then you can have an audience and there's kind of like an external motivator as well. People could be like invested in like your journey. Yeah. To it's like when everyone sat there at the X games and watched Tony Hawk try 20 friggin' times to do the 900. (laughs) In no, in, in, in no competition, he was just in the half pipe doing it. Um, and then he finally did it, and everyone lost their minds. Wow. Yeah, that happened. So 1080 snowboarding lied to me then. Yeah, you might be able to do a 1080 when you're snowboarding. 
Oh, okay. The 900 is the big... I mean, it may have been surpassed now, but that was Tony Hawk's... One of Tony Hawk's claims to fame. Doing oh, the 900. Crazy. Anyway. Crazy. You will watch you fail less and less. <laughs> or fail better and better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Until you get that thing. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me a bit of a, an article I came across called Hanging Out with a Pro Video Game Speedrunner Defending a World Title. Ooh. From uh, December 3rd, 2016. So super recent article over on Vice. And um, one, like along with, you know, just the, well, I don't want to say brush it off with just oh, the usual sort of thing. But along with mentions of, you know, how it's um, kind of a cool full-time job, but it is a full-time job. Um, how it's super stressful because it's not like an Olympic event where you meet every four years and you compete. You're always competing when you're a world record holder as a speedrunner. Like oh, every yeah. day that you're not actively trying to better your time, somebody else could better your time. Someone, someone's coming for you. Yeah, yeah. But um, one of the more interesting things from this article that I found was um, when the uh, the writer joined the chat and kind of asked the the audience, you know, why are you guys why are you guys watching this. Um, apparently a lot of people were saying that it's one of the best ASMR experiences that they've ever had. With this so specific was, person? Um, no, it sounded like it was from a few people. Interesting. ASMR being like this kind of, I guess, this genre of video where people will just watch it and listen to it. Listening is very important for this. And like the sounds, I guess, in a way massage their brain and relax them in, in this very particular way that makes them completely chill out, maybe even puts them to sleep, but it's just really, really relaxing. And I mean, considering that this guy holds the record for Silent Hill 3, that sounds, that seems a little, a little curious. Well, it's silent, right? <laughs> just ambient noise. It's, it is, yeah, yeah. Except for when you're being chased down or or being chopped in half or whatever that happens yeah, in Silent yeah. Hill. Yeah, the hill part is very noisy. It's the silent part. That's <laughs> so one of the interesting things about speedruns, uh, I thought, in addition to all the other wackiness and all the other like Olympic level challenge of it, is just how. Okay, so let's let's say that speedruns are like the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. Or like a particular sport in the the Olympics. Yep. So we're talking track. So you want to... I'm going to actually tie this back instead of go off on a tangent, which makes way more sense. So you're, okay. you're a track, you're the best, you're the Usain Bolt. Mm-hmm. Yes. You like you train every day because you want to beat your own record because there are other people gunning for your world record. Yep. What if... What if, in addition to doing your uh, run, your 200-meter dash or whatever, there were other people that were competing to do what you're doing, and they were doing it blindfolded. Mm. Or they were competing to do what you do, but at the exact same time, do the shot put and the javelin and the discus. I follow, I follow that is, you with the blindfolded thing, but the, uh, the simultaneous sports, um, I don't know what you're getting at. All right, here we go. Cool. <laughs> so um, I found a TV Tropes page, of all things, uh, on speedrunning, which is actually really informative. I usually expect TV... Well, TV Tropes is usually informative, mm-hmm. 
but I usually expect it to contain a lot of information about, you know, um, tropes in media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it ha- in the speedrun article, which has a lot of information on speedrunning, I was reminded of uh, a couple of different things. One, I was reminded of blindfolded speedruns, which was the clear uh, analog in the analogy. <laughs> um, but I was also reminded of some more ridiculous tool-assisted speedruns, such as a uh, speedrun... A 100% speedrun of Mega Man X, X2, and X3 using one controller's input. As in, someone was playing with one controller to complete X, X2, and X3 simultaneously. What? Now that's that's something else. (laughs) Things that I wish I did before this podcast. Watch that video. But I'll have to settle for watching after the video. <laughs> we can put that after in, the in the notes, right? Yeah. Oh my god, watch this. <laughs> this is so crazy. Oh my wow. goodness. But I mean this whole art this whole page is fascinating because it'll talk about some of the shortest speedruns. There's some for Earthbound where they finish it in under nine minutes, another one where they do nothing for three minutes and then break the game much faster. <laughs> Just like really fascinating speedruns, mm. mm-hmm. taking different uh, different tacks at it. Yeah, yeah. Well, also reminding me of different techniques in speedrunning, like uh, pause glitches. Like uh, I think, G, you showed me one in Mega Man, Mega Man Two. Uh. Pause glitch. You're like you're fighting a dragon, and you shoot at it, and you pause. And if you unpause at the right second, the enemy will take so much massive damage. Yeah, it'll just, yeah, it'll constantly like re, re add the damage that's being done by going through it. That's right. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you can do a similar thing in Ocarina of Time to get the infinite sword glitch. I think. Yeah. Where you get a, a Deku stick to glitch out and it thinks that it's breaking, but it's not. So it's yeah. actually dealing like an infinite amount of damage and kills anything almost instantly. Yeah. Out of curiosity during the research, I was like, what is the opposite of a speed run? I'm like, is there a slow run? And people are like, you mean like a let's play? <laughs> I, I guess so. And it's just, yeah. I was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. Sorry, long play. You mean like a long play? It's like, it could be a careful run where you try to avoid taking damage. And I'm like, Mm. That doesn't sound super. I mean, <laughs> like, there are speed runs that are like no damage speed runs. Yeah. But like the yeah. point of it being slow is not inherently interesting. No, because no. some games you can just wait infinitely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's take the maximum amount of time that you could without waiting infinitely. I mean, the real question is is there Twitch plays co-op? <laughs> not yet. Let me know. Please let me know. <laughs> is it a thing? Uh, let's see here. Reddit. Why is Twitch Plays Co-op not a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) This is the end of the week that I found. It's not a particularly happy video, but an interesting one from a speedrunner opining about, about, about why he does it. Because when I search speedrunning on YouTube, you know, it, it fills in the you know popular searches. And one of the ones that it filled in was speedrunning is the most degenerate act. What? So, so I had to click on that. 
So it's a video entitled Speedrunning is the Most Degenerate Act Man Has Ever Come Up With. And it's by Trolley or Trolley. <laughs> and uh He talks about <laughs> he opines about why he spent so long trying to beat Goldeneye so fast. And if you are <laughs> if you are a fan of swears, this is the video for you. <laughs> That's all I'm gonna say. I actually do have a fan of the week. Oh, go for it, man. All right. Um, this is coming from the speedrun.com forums. Um, along with the, the other thread that I found about, you know, why'd you do your latest game, I found another thread that was raising a, uh, that was raising a concern that I don't think, uh, I don't know if, if any of you came across. But uh, as, uh, as speedrunning becomes more and, and more of a mainstream thing and enters the uh, the esports arena might be time to consider performance enhancing drugs what and whether they matter at all in speedrunning what so there's this thread there and you know the person bring the person uh, starting the thread just gets a bunch of jokey responses every now and then they'll reiterate their points but um, five pages later the final post in this thread comes from a user with it. I'm going to pronounce this as an actual word and then just say all the letters. Um, from user Cod M. Weeman or C-O-D-M-W-3-M-A-N who says, I think the real problem here is that you're assuming that all speedrunners are just in it for the world record. A literally meaningless title. You should be speedrunning a game for your love of the game, not the love of being first place. Is it frustrating that you may lose WR to someone using PEDs? Sure, I can see that. Does using PEDs put them in a position where they achieved an unattainable record? No. A lot of people use WR as a motivational tool. Someone else having WR just raises the bar. From the looks of this thread, your thoughts, the original posters, seem to be the minority. Nobody else seems to really care about PED. So, diffusing the bomb of performance-enhancing drugs for now. Well, it highlights that people do it for different reasons. Yes. Yeah. I think the love of the game is an important... Like, I, I feel like that's a thing in sports, too, right? Like, oh, people yeah. are like, don't focus on winning. Focus on, like, practicing and getting better. And, yeah. like, yeah. loving the game. and Because yeah. then the other stuff just comes. Yeah. I mean, funny thing is, I can even see people criticizing speedrunning as a whole being like why would you just make this game into a race don't you want to enjoy it mm -hmm. but it's like that's the way that they enjoy it yep. well that I, I didn't touch on that too much earlier but when we were talking about glitches i that was actually a point of controversy that people who are not speedrunners see glitches as being like cheating they see mm -hmm. it as like not enjoying the game and it's like no no these are people who love the game and have enjoyed the game and just like now it's time for something new yeah yeah, it's like why? Why do people like all the various umpteen like Zelda and etc. T-shirts that are all variations on a theme? Because they <laughs> love Zelda, mm -hmm. but maybe they're done with like Zelda as Zelda. It <laughs> even see like I don't know if the parallels are like immediate that immediate, but to me, it's the first thing I thought of. So when people say to me when after I tell them I like wrestling, they're like, you know, it's not. You know that it's fake, right? I'm like, yeah. I don't enjoy it because I think it's people really fighting. <laughs> I probably wouldn't enjoy it if it was that. 
<laughs> well, you've got UFC for that now, so exactly, which I don't watch because I don't want to see it. Yeah, but uh, no, I like it, like it for its own reasons, for the thing that it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Same as speedrunning. Yeah, there's definitely that element of personal achievement. I mean, in that uh, in that Super Mario Bros. two book from Boss Fight Books, when he interviews when the writer John Irwin interviews Andrew Gardikas, one of the thing one of the things that he notes is that it seems that. Any grudges that come from speedrunning seem to exist more between the player and the game itself. And ah. I kept coming across this over and over again, even though it's like a really high-stress thing to hold a world record and to want to keep it. Most of the rivalries are just friendly rivalries. Somebody will best you, but then you learn from them and you best, you best them right back. Best them back? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so it's this weird, weird mix of personal challenge and also community. Neat. Uh, I found this interesting fan of the week. I was trying to find... I was actually looking for interesting fans of the week this time as opposed to where I usually come across it. Um, Again, skulking around the uh, speedrun subreddit. Came across this thread called uh, Hey, longtime runners and fans, what do you miss? Because not knowing much about speedrunning and the history of it, I was just like, what is there to miss? Speedrunning is not an old thing. Later learned after doing some research that it's been around since the early 90s but it's only really caught on somewhat recently mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, i'm reading through this thread and it's like okay so what is it and i found this this interesting post it's actually two posts but i'm going to smash it into one because it's not interesting if i read the entire thread <laughs> uh by what's his what's the, where's the person's name fabrizio calamitous uh and it goes a little something like this it's a little bit longer but i will try to speed my way through it Oh, 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 oh. Uh, so they ask that question, you know, what do you miss? And this person says, I want to go back to the days when we had no way to share our speed runs with people. When we would finish the game, get to the final screen, and all we could do is reset. Take a deep breath in and say, well, that was a pointless waste of my time. And then sell the game because you never want to play it again. I miss getting burned out on video games because my skills are meaningless. <laughs> Things suck now that we can track how good we are at a run in relation to all the other people who run it. Now that we can share strategies and collaboratively plan routes, all this mutual support and cooperative effort is really just making the speedrunning community a terrible group to be a part of. <laughs> I especially dislike that we now have a charity that raises upwards of $2 million a year by doing live speedruns in front of an audience. Speedrunning is something meant to be done in private for the benefit of nobody. <laughs> Obligatory sarcasm tag. Later on in the thread, they crack themselves and they say, I can think of nothing in speedrunning that is not currently better than it used to be. And by the looks of this thread's karma, no one else can either. <laughs> Good old days is generally reserved for things that got worse, but speedrunning has objectively gotten better and better as time passed. Literally everything has improved, and literally nothing has gotten worse. Name one thing, I dare you. I implore you. Name a single thing that's not as good as it used to be. There's literally nothing. Things we have now that we didn't used to have. Twitch, Live Split, Elgato Game Capture, Discord servers, charity marathons, top runners that your average gamer will probably know by name, uh, Cosmo Narcissa, <laughs> Siglemic, Carl Sagan 42, Big John 06, <laughs> etc. Things we used to have and now don't. Tumbleweeds. <laughs> Hell, even just naming a particular era you consider the good old days would help. Are you talking 2004? 1994 i thought that was interesting because it's like you know people do usually talk about the good old days and and because they're like oh things have gotten worse but 
But that was pretty cool. Someone being yeah. like, you know what? It's actually great right now. Yeah. How um, many things can you think of if, if you're like a TV fan or a comic book fan or something? I mean, there's probably people like, oh, back in the good old days. But I mean, yeah. in most cases, there's usually at least something to go off of. Yeah. Hmm. No bad things in speed running. <laughs> All good. The spotlight this week is not super surprising, given I think we mentioned it in the podcast, and also I, it was kind of. I, I, I feel like on. it's always not. From all the research we did, it's not very far away from any of those things. Like it kept, no. I just kept seeing it be mentioned. In the, yeah. Yeah, so the spotlight this week is, unsurprisingly, Games Done Quick, uh, which you can check out at gamesdonequick.com. And it is a series of charity video gaming marathons, features high-level gameplay by speedrunners raising money for charity. Uh, It's worked with several charities in the past, including Doctors Without Borders and the Prevent Cancer Foundation. And apparently, in the six-year history of of how long it's run, it's raised over $8 million for charity. Wow. And in addition to that, they actually hold these events uh, at different locations. And they've had 1,400, uh, sorry, they average over 1,400 people in attendance at the different events. Wow. Wow. Which is just startling. They tend to have two events annually, Awesome Games Done Quick in the winter. The next one actually is coming up in early January. And Summer Games Done Quick. And uh, usually they have a schedule of different games that they go through. Um, I think I've watched them play Mega Man X during i guess it was summer games done quick that they did recently humble bundle usually does something in conjunction with that where you can pick up a whole bunch of games and donate to charity at the same time so check out games done quick if you like watching speed runs or like supporting charity or just want to check out something new check it out also a second spotlight that i didn't want to forget about and almost did (laughs) is uh the Race Against Time, which you can check out at raceagainsttime.io, which is kind of in a similar vein, uh, except it's a bunch of amateurs who are going through a game that they love, Chrono Trigger, and uh, raising money, doing goofy stuff, doing some karaoke, doing all sorts of interesting things, trying to get through Chrono Trigger and its various endings to try to raise money for the Alzheimer Society of Canada. And you can check that out at raceagainsttime.io. So uh, don't forget to check us out at Phanthropological.com. All our episodes are up there, available for listening at your uh, at your pleasure. Uh, if iTunes is more your speed, you can check us out there. You can subscribe. You can uh, give us a rating if you like. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, it helps other people see us. And if you're more of a fan of social media, you can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube uh, at The Next Cast. And uh, you can check out our really cool stuff there. Mm-hmm. That's us. We're The Next Cast. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> or if you have um, ideas for fandoms that we haven't covered that you would like to see us cover, uh, nick at the nickstcast.com is where you can send those suggestions. Or just hit us up on Twitter as well, at the nickstcast. So, uh, and please do. Uh, we'd love to hear what people, what people would like us to cover, maybe fandom we didn't even know existed. Yeah. We want to cover it all. Underwater basket weaving? Probably not a thing. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening. And join us next week 
when we waste no time at all attaching our arms and get right down to talking about fans of Homestuck. First, it was this weird schism, but now it's like this, this, just these two, I guess, branches that feed off of each other. Interesting. Yeah. So it brings out potentialities in the game that people who are doing regular speedruns might not have thought of. Yeah. So schism. Yeah, I know. I was going to ask that question, but okay. okay. That's okay. I didn't know if, if it was schism or schism. As long as you schism. know. Schedule. Now I know when no one's ah, at the battle. Schism. <laughs>